0: This is Father Mark Bulos with the Bible as Literature podcast. Whenever we encounter a repeat of any biblical parable, the first and most important question is to ask why the author is repeating this story here, and secondly, how they have changed certain elements of the story in order to make their specific point. This question is even more curious when the repetition happens within the same book. Richard and I discuss the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 15, verses 32 to 39. You're listening to the Bible as
1: Literature. This is Father Mark Bulos, And this is Dr. Richard Benton.
0: And you are listening to episode 319 of the Bible as Literature podcast. Last week, we talked about the itinerary of the mountain in the Gospel of Matthew, which is really a discussion about movement through the text. And there's another movement happening today with the feeding of the four thousand we've talked about the feeding of the five thousand in matthew we're still on the same mountain from last week suddenly we hear about it being a lonely place and jesus having once again compassion on the crowd so the trick today will be to understand why are we doing a repeat of this pericope i mean repeat is a strong word rich because there are very important differences in the way that this mashal is constructed, but it is a repeat, which means something important is happening here.
1: In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus goes deliberately from place to place for a reason. Matthew is having Jesus do certain things in certain places. A lot of times we just focus on the thing that he's doing, but ignore how he's doing it and where he's doing it and with whom he's doing it. So what you and I are trying to do, Father, just as a reminder to our dear listeners, is that we're trying to help everyone be aware of the different facets of the text. When something seems like it's being repeated, one has to be very careful. First of all, writing was a very resource-intensive exercise in the ancient world. You couldn't buy a ballpoint pen at the store and get a ream of paper for a couple bucks. This was something that had to be prepared. You had to crush roots in order to create ink and there is a whole process that went into this so you don't just repeat stuff over and over again because you have the time and the space you have to do it deliberately not to mention anyone who's written or read realizes that if somebody repeats something over and over it makes it boring matthew is repeating this for a very deliberate reason the differences are significant where he does it how he does it with whom he does it These all have to be in the forefront of your mind as you read this passage.
0: There's a point about structure within the biblical genre that Father Paul highlights in a number of his commentaries where you have the first occurrence of something, the second occurrence of something, and then an expectation of completion with the third occurrence in Father Paul's scholarship this is taken to be an indication of the day of judgment this is your second opportunity your second time and there won't be a third chance the third time will be that time when you say blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord and jesus called his disciples to him and said i feel compassion for the people because they have remained with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I do not want to send them away hungry, for they might faint on the way. My initial reaction is that we're shifting from the teaching, the instruction that was given from the throne of judgment on the mountain, to Jesus' premise that they're going to be sent on the way. He's going to send them out. And the question is, why is he sending them out? Why is he assuming that they're going to go on the way and they need sustenance? It reminds me again of the conversation earlier in Matthew with the disciples.
1: You have to take just what you need for the trip so that you can go out and teach. The last time this came up, the disciples asked Jesus to send them on their way and jesus said no feed them and they say well how are we supposed to feed them and then jesus said Ugh, i'll show you how to do it and then he went and he fed them here jesus already knows what the disciples are going to say jesus shouldn't we send the multitudes away from the mountain to go get something to eat and he cuts off the conversation before it even gets started i know what you guys are thinking you idiots want to send away these people hungry again last time you wanted me to look bad you wanted me to look like a bad host you wanted to make it look like i wasn't able to host these people and to feed them so i'm going to end the conversation before it begins i'm going to say look the multitudes are here i'm going to feed them because i'm not letting them go away hungry which everyone knows if you've spent time in the middle east no host will ever send you away hungry so jesus is being a good middle eastern host look disciples They're here. I'm not sending them away hungry because they've been with me for three days already, and I'm going to feed them now. The
0: disciples believe that you feed the crowd so the crowd can be happy and fed. But that's not why Jesus would feed anyone. Jesus, if he's the one saying, feed the crowd, he's not asking. He's saying, feed the crowd. It's because it serves his purpose, which is missionary activity and the work of the gospel. So I think This idea of sending them away versus sending them on the way. I think we're talking
1: about two different things. So it's a good insight because now it's a kind of commission. Why would Jesus now say he's going to show them compassion? Didn't he show them compassion when he healed them? He's talking about what comes next. The disciples might be confused by this. They don't understand what Jesus considers compassion. They don't understand what Jesus' mission is even at this point, that his only mission is to feed them with the word.
0: The question, both with respect to the healings, Richard, and the feeding for the journey, the question is why? And it already seems in verse 32 that the why is so that they might go along the way the disciples said to him where would we get so many loaves in this desolate place to satisfy such a large crowd the disciples really should quit the new testament and do late night comedy how many times does jesus have to feed the multitudes in order for the disciples to realize that he can feed the multitudes it goes beyond a lack of faith to a kind of idiocy that they're asking this question in verse 33.
1: Where do I start, Father? I mean, this is such a strange response. The last time that this happened, there were 12 baskets left over, one basket for each of the disciples. I mean, they had their own basket to feed the people at the end. Now they're wondering where they're going to get bread. I mean, they were there before. It's so strange that this doesn't occur to them. Again, it's in the desert. They say Erimia. I think that's probably why the translators didn't want to call it a desert because they're in the mountain. But what they're saying is that this is a desolate place. This is a desert where there is nothing else to eat. They don't think that the teaching he delivers is actually the food that they need. They think they need something else. And the disciples say, all right, fine. They got to hear you, Jesus. Fine, you healed all their sick. Fine, you produced bread before. But what are they going to eat, Jesus? Well, this is the problem that the disciples keep running into, is that they don't actually trust in the word that Jesus is delivering.
0: And Jesus said to them, How many loaves do you have? And they said, Seven, and a few small fish. couple of key differences with the first occurrence of the feeding of the multitudes in Matthew. We are talking about seven loaves. Before it was five. The five loaves represented the bread Of the books of Moses the Pentateuch the five books seven is the number that indicates fullness divine fullness and you have a few fish a few small fish you know if the two fish represented Jews and Gentiles now we're talking about a different kind of grouping of people there are different flocks So this is about a kind of fullness of the spread of the teaching, of the bread of God's instruction, to many communities. We are now fully in the one community which is inclusive of everyone.
1: Now that we're in this region of the Gentiles, we're out of the land of Israel, and the seven is the completeness, and the little fish represent communities, the nations, and it's always an indefinite number. We have this food, the teaching, which feeds the nations, which are then the ones who are to continue the teaching. Because don't forget, last time we had 12 baskets left over. Those were both for the disciples, the 12 disciples, but also for the 12 tribes. So there's an idea that this food is not enough if it simply feeds these, but it has to be perpetuated to all the nations.
0: N-T-O-Z-O it's important to say that in greek because those of you listeners who are familiar with the greek new testament should immediately understand that this sounds very much like the way in acts it's the path of the teaching and it's a path as you said dr benton whereupon you journey and at the same time you are to sow his instruction along the way and when you think about again this structure that's typical of scripture where you have a one and a two and a missing three they are being equipped in the pauline sense to walk on the way from the day they received the teaching until the end of that path which is the day of judgment at the gates of the kingdom beautiful literature. And this is why you can't just say, oh, well, didn't this occur twice because Jesus fed two different groups of people? No, you can't just say that. You have to ask why it's literature. This is a book. And the author inserted the same story twice with different parameters adjusted to make a point. And he directed the people to sit down on the ground and he took the seven loaves and the fish plural and giving thanks he broke them and started giving them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people this is the fulfillment of the mashal about the canaanite woman just a few verses ago in matthew this is the meal jesus is giving thanks to his father And then from that conversation flows the feeding of the people. He shares that bread with the disciples, and then they share it with everybody. This is the completion of her desire to eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. It's Eucharistic in that sense because he's giving thanks, Rich. But we have to understand that the Eucharistic meal
1: is a feasting on the teaching itself. Jesus doesn't hand out the food to everybody. He hands it to the disciples. It is the disciples' job to feed the crowds. And again, this is the crowds. Before it was a single crowd, now it's multiple crowds, which reinforces the fact that these are the multitude of the nations. The disciples' job is to hand this out, the disciples' job is to teach. Oftentimes, when we talk about disciples and then disciples making disciples or whatever, your job is always to be teaching this message and always to be learning this message. And so the disciples are in between. When the disciples are not doing their job, the bread doesn't make it to the crowds. It is not enough for the disciples to sit around and take notes, which is what they've been doing up to this point. When it's time for them to teach, they have to deliver. They have to be ready to make sure that this word, that this bread goes out to those who are hungry. The Canaanite woman made it sound like, you know, these are the scraps, the leftovers, and Jesus was happy to share with her once she brought up this analogy. And now this is Jesus doing this through the disciples. It's the same mechanism. The bread makes it eventually to everyone who needs it. The Canaanite woman had faith to receive this. These crowds are the ones who brought their sick ones for Jesus to heal, so they're ready to receive. The disciples have a duty to make sure that they receive it. And
0: they all ate and
1: were satisfied
0: and they picked up what was left over of the broken pieces seven large baskets full. So the secret sauce of the Canaanite woman is that she knew what the disciples still don't understand that crumbs from the master's table are no crumbs at all. I would rather feast on a crumb from the master's table than eat at the most expensive Manhattan restaurant every day for the rest of my life because as we'll hear later in the Gospel of John if you drink regular water, you'll keep getting thirsty, but if you drink the Johannine water at the well, you'll never thirst again. It's the same mechanism, only we're talking about the bread of the teaching. If it's truly the bread of the teaching from the table of the one Master and Father of Jesus Christ, that one crumb can sustain the whole world. This is the logic that the fleshly mind of Jesus' students can't grasp, because they're still measuring regular drinking water in John and regular bread here in Matthew.
1: Correct. And the leftovers before were 12 baskets, one for each tribe, one for each disciple, and now we have seven baskets left over. This number represents the fullness of the Gentiles. So, The baskets are no longer simply for the disciples and the tribes of Israel, but they're to go out for more. So even though it sounds like it's less bread, it's five fewer baskets of bread, but it comes in abundance. The leftovers are in abundance. Once the bread is handed out, What's left over is more than what you started with. The disciples take the teaching and then spread the teaching. Just like when you have one seed, you put it in the ground, you grow a plant, and there's hundreds of seeds that come from it. This is how the teaching is supposed to function. That's why these agrarian metaphors are essential to understanding Matthew. You grow Disciples, not from a disciple, you grow it from a teaching. All the disciple does is plant the seed. And those who ate were 4,000 men, besides women and children.
0: Why 4,000 men? Because in the mind of the ancient world, there are four corners to a flat earth. So if you're going to send people out on the way, the odos, the path, to spread the seed of the gospel and it's the fullness of the seven loaves you're going to send them to all four corners of the earth so that all communities all fish receive the bread of life
1: the four and the four corners of the earth The fact that this is a multitude of fish and not just two fish, and this is the wholeness of the seven loaves, this is all about the Gentiles. This is all about how the teaching and the sowing is not going to be contained within the land, but is going to go out to the entire world. And sending
0: away the crowds, Jesus got into the boat and came to the region of Magadan. Now, some manuscripts will say that this is Magdala, it only occurs in matthew and you could go either way we had that conversation earlier today but what's interesting is that if you hear this story in a pauline context where you are being given the instruction and sent on the path from the day of grace at the beginning of paul's letter until the day of peace which is the day of judgment father paul's argument that this term magadan he opts for magadan among the manuscripts that this term is a reference to Megiddu or Armageddon which is the place of the final battle it's a judgment metaphor so in that sense verse 39 is ominous because this is number two and you will not have another chance until the day of Armageddon. I've equipped you with all the fullness of the instruction to be taken to the four corners of the world You have all you need for the journey. All of the nations are now included in this message, which means we're ready for the Day of Judgment. Because once everyone has heard the teaching, then everyone can be held accountable on Mount Zion. And of course, I'm not talking about Palestine or Israel. I'm talking about the heavenly city.
1: Magdala means the tower in Aramaic. So there is this idea that you're coming to the shore, that you're coming to the lighthouse, the place that you're aiming for on the other side. So this could be the idea of a light on the shore that guides your boat. Or it could be, like you said, Father Megiddo, which is the place where the final battle, the eschatological battle happens. So understanding this as Megiddo, as the judgment, the place that the boat is landing is at the cusp of this third occurrence this final occurrence of judgment thanks very much dr benton thank you father you've just heard the bible as literature thanks for listening the bible as literature is a production of the ephesus school network